Well, welcome to Thursday Rising. So I have a story of a company that you might have heard of before. But it's a story that started out eons ago, all the way back in about 2004. Like, you know, when people were young and dinosaurs roamed the earth and all that. And, yeah, before the Internet, before Al Gore invented the Internet. Uh, So this dude at Harvard University had a great idea, or at least he thought it was a pretty great idea. And he he had this idea, and he and his roommate were talking about it. And I have to tell you, the smart people at Harvard University said, you're an idiot. This is stupid. It's never going to work. No one would ever bother doing this because it's never been done before. And obviously, if it were a good idea, somebody would have already done it, right? And so he really, he really got slapped in the face. But the guy decided, well, I still think it's a pretty good idea. And I'm going to go ahead and try to do a little something with it. And he invented a, a program And you might know the guy's name. He's got a really weird name. His name's Mark Zuckerberg. And he invented a program named FaceMash. Did you know that? He invented FaceMash, which later became the Facebook. And later it got chopped off and became Facebook. It's the number one form of communication in the world today. And it was a bad idea. There was every reason in the world not to do it. Well, today I was driving down the road and I I was listening to a message by uh, a pastor, Mike Patz, and you may not know him. He's the pastor of Greenhouse Church in Gainesville, Florida. Really awesome man of God. I really love listening to him. And he told me about another company that I think this company has the most spiritual message that I've heard all week. And brother, if you can, go ahead and put that picture up. Does anybody know? Well, I always thought it was Nike. You know what you thought it was? But the word is actually a Greek word, Nike. And do you know what Nike really means? It does not mean just do it, although that is the emphasis of it. I thought, well, that's just a funny word for just do it, but it's not. They made that up years later. But the word Nike, if you saw last week before Thursday night last week, I put a picture on Facebook, and it was a really goofy picture, and I showed my wife, this is why you don't let me do artistic things. Because it had this really goofy little guy, and he's walking along, and there was a big old hill in front of him, right? And he looked at the hill, and he goes, wow, that's a big hill, but I'm going to go ahead and climb it. Well, that really is the definition of Nike. Nike means to overcome. I I thought that was really cool. Just do it. Just overcome. And to me, when I'm thinking about I'm going to go ahead and what that means to me, I thought, well, man, that just really puts me in the right frame of mind. I'm going to go ahead and preach that tonight. So I stole it right from Pastor Pat's, and I just stole it right from him. So tonight, as we start into this, and I've got a lot of Scripture, and Nate is up there on the other Nate, 
is up up on our computer tonight, and it's his first shot at doing uh, pro presenter. So I'm not going to ask him to keep up with me. And I'm actually not going to read the whole scripture because my first set of scriptures goes from 1 Samuel 17 and 17 all the way through 1 Samuel 17 and 48. So we're not going to read all that tonight, but we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to read some of the scriptures. Is that all right? All right. So track with me. We're going we're gonna to get there very quickly. So the first two verses, 1 Samuel 17, 17, and 18, said, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten leaves, or loaves, excuse me, and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news to them. Well, first of all, David could have said no. And let me tell you why David could have said no. Not because he was bigger than his daddy, because he probably wasn't. David could have said no because at this point in the Scripture, the, the story of David is that Samuel had already been there. Samuel had already come by and they had already went through Eliab and all these other brothers, all of David's brothers. And Samuel said, I have been sent here by the Lord to anoint the next king over Israel. And David, little David, was out in the field. He wasn't even considered, but he was out in the field. But Samuel, listening to the Lord, said, well, we're not doing anything until I see the last one. So by this time, David had already been anointed. He had already been declared the king of Israel, even though there was a king in Israel, King Saul. But David knew what had been done, and so did his father, and so did his brothers. David was the anointed of God, king of Israel. But at this point, David's father, Jesse, said, I need you to run an errand for me. And David, and what did David say? More or less. I've got some things to do to take care of, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. So tonight, we're going to talk about, I'm going to go ahead. And before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And the reason I'm going to go ahead and pray, I'm going to go ahead and pray. I can't even say it right. I try to be as country as I can be, and I still get it wrong. And the reason I want to do that is because I, I've... I've Practice this message, if you call it that. I don't know if you call it that because I really don't say it out loud. But I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. I've studied it. And the only thing I can come up with is, oh, my God, I need you tonight. Because I need it to touch lives. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we're stagnant. And we're stagnant for a reason. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So let's pray. Father, help. Be in this place tonight. Anoint us to receive your word. Anoint me to speak your word. Help in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. So after David's dad came and said, Take all these groceries and go down and check on your brothers. Now remember, David's dad told him to go, right? He didn't go on his own. David's dad told him to go. So what did David do? David went down to where Israel, in the valley of Elah, he went down to where Israel was fighting the Philistines. And the scripture goes on to say that they were dressed and they were ready for war and they were coming up against each other. 
And so when you drop all the way down to verse 25, it says, So the men of Israel said, well, let me, let me back up. Philistine had this dude. And he wasn't a little dude. But he was a great big old dude named Goliath. And he was a bad boy. And he was ready to fight. You ever seen those big old, I mean, you know, if he lived in Burke County, he'd have had overalls on. He was one of them. And, you know, the big uh, Duck Dynasty beards probably. And he was just, come on, boy, let's fight. Come on, after I finish with this here bar and that bull over there, we'll fight. And, I mean, he was just a big, bad dude. Well, he was standing there and he was taunting the Israelites. And the men of Israel were afraid. And, in fact, it says in verse 25, so the men of Israel said, Have you seen this dude that's come up here? Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. So they knew the guy that they had to fight. They knew out of that were great riches, Great glory, and daddy didn't have to pay taxes anymore. And when they says the father's house, the way lineage worked, that meant that entire family forever would not have to pay taxes. So David wanted to make sure he heard what they were saying. And he, was, he went back over to them, because you know David was the little brother, right? Hey, 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 what did you say? Hey, what did you say that guy got? What did, if, if he fights, goes and fights this big Bubba down here, what does he get? And they started telling David what he would get. And, you know, surely the king will do these things for you. Well, Eliab, David's older brother. Does anybody have an older brother in here? Did your older brother pick on you? And I'm saying this on the opposite side of the sanctuary from my older brother who's sitting up there on the soundboard. So I already checked. The exits are clear. You can't get to me. And I'll tell Mama. So, mm -hmm, that's right. But Eliab was there and he was like, Oh, God, David, you're embarrassing me. Would you quit? So he says in verse 28, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now you remember I told you that before David left, he had to take care of some things. Well, the Bible states clearly that David left the sheep with a keeper. So he was, he was living up to his responsibility and he still did this errand for his dad. Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. Now, first of all, that's the way big brothers are. What's wrong with wanting to go see a good fight? There's nothing wrong with that. But he was mad at David. So he said, you didn't come down here to do anything but just be around the action and see what was going on. And, you know, David had a perfectly legitimate answer, but Daddy told me to. But David didn't say that. 
In fact, it goes on to say, David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for me to be here? Daddy told me to bring you cheese and grain and bread, and I hope you choke on a cheese sandwich in a little bit. But that's not what David said. So David went and asked more men of Israel, is this what, is this what the king said? Is this? And David said, well, wait a minute. Y'all don't worry. All y'all scared, shaking in your boots, your knees are not. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of him. Because he said, who is this that would come against the armies of the Lord? David said, I'll take care of him. Well, somebody heard David say that. And I'm sure most everybody was not real impressed with David. In fact, they were probably laughing at him a little bit. But somebody told King Saul. And, and King Saul called David to come to him. Let me go back and find the right scripture. So down around verse 33, David is talking to Saul. And he says, well, David, what do you want to do? And David says, well, I'm going to go fight Goliath. And Saul says in verse 33, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth, and he was a man of war from his youth. Now some of us may feel like this. Your natural state is insufficient to be successful. Maybe you don't feel like you have what it takes to be successful in the challenge you have before you. And David was told his natural state was insufficient. You're a boy. That big old bad grown man has been fighting people like you since he was your age. He's experienced. You don't have experience. He's big. You're little. He's mean. You were nice enough to bring cheese sandwiches to your brothers. There's a problem here. Down in verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. See, David told him, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're underestimating me. And I'm telling you, when people look at you and they see your physical abilities and they underestimate your spiritual abilities, they're not looking at you, but they're looking at who you were. Because he who believes in the Lord is reborn of the Lord. And the Lord doesn't make anything weak. So we have to know just like Saul looked at David and said, you're not big enough. And David said, wait a minute. It's not me. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion will, bring, will deliver this Philistine into my hand. So David already knew. And see, David, David tested it. And I'll bet you David didn't just go right to the lion. You know, he probably beat up a few chipmunks. And, and he might, he might, you know, he might have got to a very suspicious squirrel. And a big, you know, later he was feeling a little bolder and he went to a raccoon. And eventually a cat and then a, then a lion, right? So he probably worked his way into it. But David knew that the Lord would deliver him. And so Saul said to David, go. And God be with you, boy. Don't you know that had to be Saul's attitude? All right. I, I got to send somebody down there. Might as well be the sacrificial lamb. So go. And then Saul thought, well, I can get credit for trying. So let me put my armor on you. Let me put my helmet on you. Here, carry my sword. Go down there looking like me 
even though I'm not going. So David tries it all on, and it doesn't fit. It's heavy. He can't move. David's a young boy. He thinks he's going to be, you know, he's going to dodge the spear and the sword and all that or whatever. David just wants to be comfortable as he goes into the fight. So he takes all of it off. He gathers up five smooth stones. He puts them in his pouch. He takes his staff, his walking stick, and he goes walking down to the battlefield. And he stands there, and this big old Bubba looks at him, and he starts laughing. And honestly, it makes him a little perturbed that that the Israelites sent this little boy down there to fight him. And you have to think that Goliath's disposition about the whole thing was rather than, well, this is going to be easy. It was probably more like, how dare you? How dare you? I'm here to fight, and I want to fight a real fight, and you send a boy to me. You, you don't even have respect. So in my estimation, it made Goliath matter, not, let, not more laid back. I think he went to squash all of Israel in the blow that he was going to bring to David. I think he was mad. And in fact, the Philistines said, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds and the beasts of the field. But I love this in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Can I just say that when we're talking about the armies of Israel, will you look around you today? When you're talking about the armies of heaven, will you look around you tonight and look to the, look to the warriors to your right and to your left? I'm not talking about men arrayed in fine armor, but I'm talking about men and women clothed in the glory of Jesus Christ who is ready for battle in this world to overcome. David wasn't here to, buy, to fight a typical proper battle. So David looks at him and he said, You come to me with all this stuff, but I come in the name of the Lord. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Now he didn't go in there and say, And I'm going to fight you for everything I got. I'm, you might get me, but you're going to carry a whooping doing it, boy. And uh, David went in and said, today you're dying at my hand. And then he went on to say, let me get it right. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. He didn't say I'm coming to whoop you, boy. He said I'm coming to whoop you and all your kin. If you were up from the mountains, you'd know that was a normal, normal conversation. He's coming to not only whoop you, Goliath, but he's going to kill the whole camp of the Philistines and he's going to feed their bodies to the birds and the beast. Some might say David was a little cocky. I'm telling you, David was just sure of where his power lied. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near David to meet David, David hid behind a bush and threw rocks at him. It's not what it says. Verse 48, 
says, And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. I'm telling you, David did not go to beat Goliath. We talk about David and Goliath all the time. David killed Goliath and the camp of the Philistines. And he ran to do it. He didn't go, he didn't go trepidatiously. Okay. You know, the Barney fight. He went for a fight. And if you're going to get into a fight, quit mamby pambying around. You got to go and get in the fight. But Saul said he was too little. His brother Eliab said he was just there to watch the battle. He can't do it. He can't even wear armor. But I'm going to go ahead and go down there and whoop the Philistines. David had a different perspective than you and I have sometimes. David's perspective was not what can I do, but what has God already done? God empowered him to, to slay the bear and the lion. God empowered him to do everything he's done up to this point. And there was no doubt in David's mind that God would continue to empower him to fight this battle. Now that's kind of a, a big, big scene of somebody doing something they were told they couldn't do, right? So there's another story, and this one's over in the New Testament, and it's it's around about Mark five, and, and it runs twenty verse twenty five through thirty four. But you can also find this in Matthew nine twenty through twenty two and Luke eight forty three through forty eight. So the reason I bring that up is because when when we find it in the Gospels, and there's harmony across the Gospels. Now, if you read this story in the Gospels, you'll read each time it's a little different because the person writing it, their perspective of how they viewed the action or, or the event was a little different. You know, uh, Luke was a doctor. He was, he was very detailed about things. You know, John, most of what John wrote didn't harmonize with the rest of the Gospels because John was a lover and he was just, he was happy. But... You know, Matthew and Mark, they kind of told things from their own perspective, who they were and how they ministered and how they went through the world. But the one I like on this one is in Mark 5.25. And I'll just read some of it. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. So this lady had done all she could do to be healed. For 12 years. She'd get, I mean, you know, guys, what do we do? We get the flu or we get whatever. We have to go to the doctor. We have to go to maybe to the ER or urgent care. And we go do that. And we don't have, maybe we don't have the money to go back again. Or we don't have the money to get our prescriptions and all these things and we do these things and we do all we can do well I guess I'll just lay home and die and that's all we can do but then it says that she heard about Jesus in fact it says when she heard about Jesus she came behind him say behind him Behind him is important. 
It's not, and and I, I've read this scripture a hundred times and I never caught this. She came after Jesus. Jesus was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. What happened after the Word came on the scene? Creation happened. She put Jesus in front of her situation. She put the Word in front of her situation and creation came. Her healing was created in her body because she put the Word before her. And it says, for if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Do you know why it was important that she touched his clothes? Were the clothes holy? Were the clothes special? Were they made of special thread? Proximity is everything. We put the word before us and we stay in close proximity to that word. And when we stay there, when we get ourselves there and we stay there, creation follows. So it said she got close to him and if I can only touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched it, the flow of blood was dried up. Just like that. No more doctors. No more thousands of dollars. Nothing else. And I'm telling you, it's not just a flow of blood. A flow of blood was important because the thing that made the flow of blood so egregious to this woman was because the law said that if she had a flow of blood, that she was what? She was unclean. And if she were unclean, she's not allowed to be in a crowd of people. Because if I'm ceremonially unclean, and I just happen to brush by Teresa over here, now she has to go through the process to become ceremonially clean. So this lady was not even allowed to get in the public vicinity. But she heard about the Word, and she put it before her, and she said, if I can just get in proximity, I know that I'm not supposed to. I know those Pharisees are going to get mad and they might even stone me. I know they're going to fuss at me and yell at me. I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to go ahead and get my healing. And maybe you're dealing with an addiction tonight. Put the word before you that says you can do all things before Christ. You can put that cigarette down. You can put that bottle down. I'm going to do what I have to do and that's get into proximity of the word. So you can read the rest of that story. And I, I love that story. I've preached on uh, the woman with the issue of blood several times. I love it because there's, I don't know how many words are in it, but I honestly believe you could preach every word in that scripture. I honestly believe you could do a study on every word in that scripture. Like I said, I've read it so many times. I never caught the word behind until Yesterday, last night, actually, I went in. Glenda and I had been watching TV. I went in to study for a little while, and I'm reading it. And I'm like, huh, why has that never stood out to me before? If I can encourage you in anything tonight, take the time. Pastor Barry challenged us this past Sunday to get a scripture, right, and memorize it or read it or do whatever. Get that scripture. I'm going to challenge you. Also, and I and I want you to do that. And the reason I want you to do it, when you take that scripture, I want you to just look at it forwards, backwards, upside down, inside out. And I want you to just ask God to bring a revelation of what every part of that scripture means. If it's a living word, that means that every word is living and breathing and changing and creating. So take that word. 
Dig into it. Dive into it. Die out to the world and receive that revelation of what God's purpose is for you. Because in every word in the scripture, that's there for you. One more little story. There was another time Jesus was traveling from Jerusalem. And he was going up through Samaria. And kind of in between Samaria and Galilee. Now there were these guys there in this little town or whatever it was, little community, I'm not sure exactly what it was. But it said that there were ten of them there. And these guys had contracted leprosy. And maybe you don't know, I almost put up a picture of leprosy and then I decided not to because honestly it's pretty disturbing. But then I also almost put up a picture of a meth addict to show you that we may not have leprosy in this country, but we have a disease that's just as bad as leprosy. And it eats you alive, just like leprosy does. But these lepers were there in this, in this little colony. And the thing about lepers, much like a woman, uh, this woman with the issue of blood, they were considered unclean, but also they were considered contagious. So they couldn't even live in the house with a Jew. They couldn't even live in the house with the Samaritans, and the Jews really didn't like the Samaritans. But they were required to live off by themselves to stay away. And in fact, whenever they saw someone coming walking towards them, whether they knew them, whether they were Jew or Gentile, Samaritan, whatever they were, as soon as they could see them, they had to start shouting, unclean, unclean. They had to tell the world, I'm not, I'm not of any condition that you should come near me. And I hear young men and young women talking about being, being depressed, being alone, being giving up, no hope. Because everybody they look to, they're rejecting and they're pushing away. And they just as well be shouting from the distance, unclean, unclean. See, that's the problem with the spirit of rejection. Is it pushes people off as soon as they can see you. You don't even know why. Is anybody, and look, if I'm the only one, I'm going to admit to it. Does anyone have that person that when you see them, you're like, oh, gosh. Oh. Thank you, Nate and Kaylee. I hope it's not each other. Okay. It's not you. It's not even really them. But for some reason, you just don't want to be around them. They get on my nerves. I don't hate them. I love them. I pray for them. I just won't talk to them. It's a spirit of rejection. And what's most likely happened is they have been rejected in their life to the point where they project rejection. And they can't, and you don't know why, they don't know why, but it causes them to be alone. And if you know someone like that, first of all, you kind of, you being the spiritual authority in the room, need to step across that bridge, and you need to be the one 
to say, not to them. I don't want to be here, but I'm going to overcome. I'm going to Nike. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to go ahead and befriend you because once you realize the love of Christ is projecting at you, guess what can't stand in the presence of light? And that's the darkness that's causing rejection in their life. They're going to feel alone. And you can bring the host of heaven when you come. So these ten lepers, they were presenting this rejection to everyone else. But then Jesus came across the hill. Now I have to think, whether they heard it in the Spirit, whether they heard it from passers-by, whether they knew it from before, how did they know that it was Jesus? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the Word of God. The Word of God came unto them and said, The object of your faith is coming. What are you going to do? And what did they do? They shouted out, Not unclean, Jesus, Master, cleanse me. And you know, Jesus was afraid of leprosy, so He ran the other way. He walked right up in the midst of rejection. And he said, in fact, you don't even see it yet. But you can go ahead and go tell everybody you've been delivered. And we know the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that they left to go tell the priest. The one turned around and he came back. Why did he come back? He came back. He was grateful. He absolutely was grateful. He came back because the law said, you have to go tell the priest. And Jesus was acting in the law when he said, go ahead and go tell the priest. Now, Jesus has to put a little special Jesus stuff on it, right? It's like, it's like Tabasco, but better. He just has to sprinkle a little bit on there. He's like, you're healed. Wait a minute. I don't, I'm, I'm not healed. I'm still, my flesh is rotting. No, you go ahead and tell the priest because that's what the law says do. So out of these ten, one realized, wait a minute. Okay, we started going, and then we were healed. I see the scars, but not the rot. I know I'm supposed to go do what the law told me to do. But I'm going to go back and worship the one who delivered me. I hate, and I've never used that word in the pulpit before, I hate religion. Because religion's going to tell you, you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do this, and you better not do that, because if you do that, that's going to lead to this, and you're going to hell. And I hate religion. I hate religion because it made me someone I wasn't proud of. I hate religion because instead of freedom, it brought me into bondage. I hate religion. But I love Jesus. Because He said, not only, not only did you get healed, 
But look at that baby smooth skin now, boy. You've been made whole. Not only did he heal him, but he erased, he erased the effects of the disease that he began with. Just because he said, I'm going to go ahead and go back and worship the one who cleansed me. David was told he couldn't. But I'm going to go ahead and go whoop him. The woman, at, the woman with the issue of blood was told she shouldn't because she's going to get in trouble. But I'm going to go ahead and get my healing. The lepers were told you better never. But I'm going to go ahead and call on Jesus. And tonight, I don't care what, what your issue is tonight. I'm not going to be long. I, I probably went through this message Twice as fast as I thought I would. I'm I'm not here to preach you into submission. But what I'm here to do today is to say, what if? What if? The world says, do you know who you are? You're nobody. You can't do that. But I'm going to go ahead and do it. What if the world says, are you sure you can? No, I'm not. But I know the one who is, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. What if? What if, what if, what if, instead of accepting and hearing and listening to the doubters in our life, to the detractors in our life. What if instead of looking at the mirror, we say, no, I'm going to go ahead and go out in the world because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What if we said, I know this, this addiction is hard. I, I tried. I tried. And I did good. 17 weeks, I didn't do it. today but I'm going to go ahead and stand up and start the fight again tomorrow shoulda, woulda, coulda but I'm going to go ahead and do what the Lord says to do would you stand with me tonight What if we demonstrated our faith by simply saying, I'm going to go ahead and do what the Lord says to do. You know, over in uh, James 2 and 18, he said, I will show you my faith by my works. Why do you think the devil is trying to say, don't do that? You can't do that. Don't try to do that. Why would you try to do Do you know who you are? Why do you think the devil is trying to tell you that? Because when you say, I'm going to go ahead, all of heaven moves to make that happen in your life. Do you think He died on a cross so that you couldn't accomplish anything? Nevertheless, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do those things. Last Sunday, Pastor Jerome was talking about some things around the house you guys... I think it was the house you guys are remodeling, right? 
and some things went wrong. Water leak and things. Pastor Jerome said, you know, I should have went over and done this, and I should have made sure this was happening. And I love this. He didn't even know. And he didn't say it exactly this way, but I'm going to paraphrase. He said, that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and do it tomorrow. Or I'm going to go ahead and do it today. He went ahead and took care of it. We get behind things because we say, well, I should have. I would have. I could have. But I didn't. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Because I believe that the Lord has empowered me. I believe that the Lord has empowered you. What if tonight, instead of sitting here in our pews tonight and saying, well, I don't really have anything to go up there and pray about. But I'm going to go ahead anyway because I believe in the power of multiplication. And if one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand, then Jesus, I want in on that multiplication. I'm going to go ahead and go up and I'm going to join my prayer with the person beside me because it might be that they need some of my blessing to help them get through their blessing. So won't you come on up tonight and let's just multiply the blessing of God tonight. What if instead of saying, I wish this country was not going to go crazy, I'm going to go ahead and pray for it because I believe my prayers reach the throne of heaven. What if instead of worrying about your children, you say, I'm going to go ahead and give them to the Lord because I know He loves them more than I do. I'm going to get you on this one. Words are on the board. Instead of listening to Jess and Kristen and everybody sing, what if tonight you said, I'm going to go ahead and praise God with my mouth tonight myself. Maybe you can't sing. Shout. I don't care. Pray. Pray in tongues. What if, what if tonight you said, I'm going to just lift up a sound unto heaven. It's hard, 
But I'm going to go ahead and do it. Okay, this isn't in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you, the spirit of I'm going to go ahead is in here tonight. And if you need healing, I want you to step forward because I'm going to go ahead and see to it. Because I believe God hears my prayers and I believe that He he is in the midst of agreement. And we're going to agree for your healing. And I'm telling you right now, I'm here tonight to agree with you for your healing. Total, complete, absolute healing. I'm going to go ahead and declare it right now. If you're dealing with an addiction, I don't care what it is. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to tell you that we're here. And the power of multiplication is here. And if one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand, I don't care how many things you have against you. We have it covered in this room. Because we believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was whipped for your healing. We believe in Jesus Christ. So whatever you need tonight, 